I was going through some of the craziest withdrawal symptoms and and it was pure lunacy for for 70 odd hours i i didn't know what was going on i was falling down waking up all over the house i concussed myself enough times from seizing shaking so hard that i just smashed my head on the floor i didn't know what was going on damon but the whole time i kept thinking this is fine this is fine you're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I'd like to welcome to the show J.T. Wahlberg. He is the author of I Forgot to Stay Sober, his journey about how he nearly died kicking his addiction to alcohol. Welcome to the show, J.T. Hi, Damon. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. I was so thrilled to have you on the show to talk about your journey in your book. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Tell us a little bit about your story. I, you know, the book outlines basically a horrific detox and what led up to that and the post of that. But in your own words, what happened? Um, you know, what 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 happened on your journey to get sober? So initially, I had no desire to get sober Damon I was in denial of just about everything including how to get sober my best mate had two conversations with me said he was really worried about me he thought I was going to die if I kept drinking I said sure I'll give it a shot didn't do any research got really wasted one Sunday thought I'd wake up the next day sober have a hangover and be fine and about 70 hours later, I was uh, in the ER near death. So that is pretty much my terrible story. You know, I, I was excited about having you on the show because we haven't really talked a lot about detox and especially people's first detox or the whole process of what detox is. You know, obviously leading up, you'd probably had some experiences with alcohol that made you wonder, hey, maybe... I'm an alcoholic, or maybe this doesn't work for me. Had you ever really tried to stop drinking before? The only other time I had ever done any sort of detox was about a decade before. So about 17 years ago now, we did a, a sober October. The same guy, my best mate, Mike, said, hey, well, let's try to be sober for the entire month of October. And, and we did. And I went through some withdrawal the first two or three days and then it was fine. 27 days later, we were sober and just got wasted on that, that 30th day, 31st day and continued to drink for another, another decade. But I was finding myself drinking more and more and more and more and more. And the, the last time I, I ever drank, I was, my body was so heavily dependent on alcohol and just getting it in just to keep myself functioning that when I took alcohol out of my system, totally incorrectly, it nearly killed me. Yeah. It was very heroin for you. I mean, you, you were kind of touch and go there for a while. And I think, you know, what I got from your story was, is that most people don't understand, uh, you know, alcoholism in general, they, they see it's like, okay, well, 
just stop drinking, right? But as we know now through science and just from people staying sober long term, that you know, alcoholism is a physical and kind of a mental disorder all going on simultaneously. So are you are all along the way you're telling yourself, I don't really have a problem with alcohol. This is just a weird coincidence. And, you know, I'll get, I'll just stop drinking and it's not going to be a big deal. And, you know, I, I don't have a problem with alcohol. For sure. Damon, I, like I said, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I just thought that this was normal. I knew that if I didn't put alcohol into my body first thing in the morning, that I'd start shaking and my vision would go a little blurry. And then I'd have a drink or two of whatever was lying around and my vision would sharpen up. The shakes would stop. They're called delirium tremens DTs for, for those folks in the, in the audience that, that don't know. And that was normal. I was in the food service hospitality industry. So liquor, wine, and beer was a huge part of, of our, our sales, or our income. And it was just normal for me. But you, you're right. I, my drunk ego was in charge. And I never once thought that there was an issue that, that I could, couldn't deal with drunk or sober. But I didn't want to get sober. So you, after, after over a decade of drinking fairly heavily, you decide you're going to have one last big drunk. And then that's it, right? Pull the plug. And you, what did you think was going to happen, actually? Even though you had DTs, you were showing physical signs of physical alcohol addiction. Did you just think, well, it's going to be a rough day. I'll have a hangover and I'll shake it off and I'll go on with my life. 100%, David. I, I thought I would just get wasted, have one last hurrah, wake up Monday. I'd, had to, I'd taken a couple days off and... Thought, you know, I'd just be really hung over. I thought back, you know, a decade prior to, you know, the first couple of days when we did that sober October thing. And I was like, well, it's not going to be that bad. But I had been drinking so much more heavily in that, that time that when I took it out, my body freaked out. My body was doing things that I, I, I thought I did a pretty good job of describing in the book, but. I don't think I did, honestly, because I was going through some of the craziest withdrawal symptoms. And and it was pure lunacy for, for 70 odd hours. I, I didn't know what was going on. I was falling down, waking up all over the house. I concussed myself enough times from seizing, shaking so hard that I just smashed my head on the floor. I didn't know what was going on, Damon. But the whole time I kept thinking, this is fine. This is fine. Yeah. Did you, so take us back to that morning when you wake up, what, you know, what was that series of events that you started to realize that aha moment there of like, wow, uh, this could be a serious medical issue for me. I still didn't take it seriously. That Monday night when I, Normally would have been feeling better, you know, from a huge hangover, say a two, three bender day bender. I was like, man, maybe something isn't right, but I was like, I'll be fine in the morning. And then things just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it wasn't until late Wednesday evening that a, a friend's wife who worked a 12 step program and been sober for a couple of years called me and said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take you to a meeting. And I lied to her and said, no, 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 I'm fine. She said, explain to me how you're feeling. 
mentally, physically, emotionally, what's going on. And I said, physically, I'm, I don't know what's happening. I haven't eaten in three days. I can barely keep water down. I can't see. I've been hallucinating. I don't, I don't even know if this conversation is real. And she said, JT, you need to get to the hospital right away. You could die. So that was the first time anyone said to me, I talked to a couple of people in those two or three days because I was lying to everybody about what I was going through. I've got the flu. It's August. You know, everyone gets the flu in August. Like that's how arrogant and idiotic I was, I was thinking. And that's when I realized, okay, maybe that this is, this is bigger than me. Maybe I'm not just going to take another day off and wake up and be fine. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that there's a huge misunderstanding about detox that it's actually a medical process. Right. And so when you're having DTs, when you're shaking, when you're having hallucinations, things like that, you know, we, we've talked with doctors on the show and therapists on the show and, you know, they stress the importance of, you know, especially if you've, if you've been drinking for years, just stopping cold Turkey and seeing these signs is an indication that your body is rejecting itself, right? You're having that, that lack of alcohol in, 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 in your system uh, is, is causing a huge reaction and all kinds of horrible things could happen. And that's pretty much what happened to you, right? You, you know, in the book, you're in that, you, you talk about being in this cab and, and the, and the Uber driver or whatever, looking at you horrified and what, what happened? So you, you get rushed to the hospital and did you finally get to talk with doctors or? So, yeah, I got into that taxi and to this day, I feel, I still feel bad seven, nearly seven years later for that poor taxi driver because I must have looked like an alien from another planet or like straight out of a zombie film. But I got to the uh, ER, I walked into triage and I walked up to the triage nurse and, and she looked at me and she looked at me like the, the taxi driver looked at me like, is this person even alive? And I said, hi. And in that classic, you know, AA tone, I said, my name's John. I'm an alcoholic. I haven't had a drink in three days. And I'm not really sure if this is real. And within a couple of minutes, I was in a wheelchair into an ER room, hooked up to IVs, ringers, saline, uh, lorazepam, stop shaking, and... It was the sense of urgency of those medical professionals that led me down this path of thinking where I was like, something is really wrong. Like the, normally in the ER, you get, you know, you, I've broken bones before, stitches, whatever. They weren't moving like they were moving if I had just cut myself and needed some stitches. They were moving like, we think this kid's going to die. And they told me later that that was the case. Yeah. You know, what I love about your story is the, it chronicles self-awareness, I guess, for lack of a, a better phrase, because so much with alcoholism is there is kind of this aha moment, right? There is kind of, you know, I always describe to people alcoholism, it's like a battle. You're fighting it the whole time, not wanting, you know, something's wrong. You know, something's totally wrong. And probably deep down inside, there is some sort of awareness that, hey, wow, I, I, I'm an alcoholic, right? But 
it, it just never gets to the point where that can kind of birth because you're always pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. And what I love about your story is this big, this leap into the self-awareness, it chronicles it very well, because I think people think that, you know, the clouds are going to come, there's going to be a lightning bolt. And then it's like, I'm an alcoholic, right? Like, and it doesn't really work that way. It kind of comes gradually in little packets, then it hits you all at once, right? For sure. Like a, like a ton of bricks, the proverbial ton of bricks. And all of a sudden I was like, I'm in a really bad way. And I can hopefully get through this. Like I was laying there and I was so afraid to sleep and close my eyes because I wasn't sure, Damon, if I was going to wake up because of what I was witnessing kind of in this weird, like third person sense, like breaking the fourth wall kind of thing like of watching what the medical professionals were doing, the doctors and nurses and hearing what they were talking about and blood pressure and all this kind of other stuff and pupils that this nurse looked at me. She was like, she's like, sweetie, you need to sleep. She's like, you need to close your eyes and rest. And I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm frightened that if I do close my eyes, I'm not going to wake up. And she didn't sugarcoat anything like this woman's pure professional, straight up honest and, and direct. And I loved her for it. She said, there's a, like a possibility that could happen, but we're professionals and we'll, we're here and we'll do our best to make sure that doesn't happen. And I kind of felt relief and put my head back, closed my eyes. And, and I woke up a few hours later alive, but still not knowing what in the hell was going on. You know, do you think that people uh, try to skip detox because of the shame that's attached and the stigma that's attached to alcoholism? You know, I've still found it's so much better than it was, right? Like when, when you talk about people that were sober, got, got sober in the 30s and the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s, I would say, there, there was a stigma, a huge stigma with alcoholism. And there's been so much with mental health and physical addiction to alcohol, physical addiction to drugs. We've come really a long way, I think, as a society to try to identify it earlier before it gets to this point. So people feel more... Uh, comfortable uh, pursuing medical treatments, right? For for this, but do do you feel that a lot of people skip that whole process and try to quote white knuckle it just because they don't want they don't want to be attached to the stigma of alcoholism? For sure, Damon. I definitely think that is a thing, and and what you just described there just illustrates how big of an idiot I actually am. And I, I appreciate everything that you said, because it's true. I'm, I am a dumbass. There, there was all of that stigma, and I thought that I was bigger than it and stronger than it. And my, my drunk ego was in charge, and, and I could get through this on my own, and we could probably have a whole other podcast about toxic masculinity type stuff. But I had all of this knowledge. Like you said, there, there's been so many studies, and and with the advent of this thing called the internet that I could have very easily Googled or YouTube withdrawal from alcohol or how to withdraw from alcohol incorrect or correctly. And I probably would have taken a different path, but I don't honestly know, Damon, if I had done that, if I'd still be sober to this day, but I was lucky that I have such a great 
core group of friends. I only have like five friends and then my sister and that they never judged me at all ever. So I was pretty blessed that way. And then when I went back to work and other people found out they, I was always pretty supportive. So I was pretty lucky that way, but you're hundred percent correct. When it comes down to the stigma, people think that I got to do this on my own. I can do this on my own. And in fact, you really can't and you shouldn't because I know people, I, a dear, dear friend of mine died last May because he was trying to white knuckle his sobriety. And um, of course we went into lockdown and he relapsed and he died. So big part of it is check that ego, get some help. Don't do what JT did. Don't be an idiot. Ask for help. And it's super hard. It doesn't make you weak. It in fact makes you stronger, but you got to check that and you, and you got to just say to yourself, this is bigger than me and I need help. Yeah. You know, I think, and in all fairness to you, JT, is that um, alcoholism, I think people who aren't alcoholics have a really hard time grasping this, that alcoholics, when they're in their addiction, and even when they're out of their addiction, sometimes in an early recovery, have a committee that's talking to them in their mind the whole time, constantly chatting this isn't what it, it's not alcoholism. You don't have a problem if you can just get out of this situation, right? So things that are not real seem incredibly real, you know, and you, you outline, I've, I've heard a lot of energy views with you. You outline that too, about how, how real that that committee can be, right? Like it, it really is real. And, and I, I love what you're talking about with the stigma about just you know, just seeking help out. And now is really the time. I mean, a, a funny story here is there's a, a very old 12 step group in Burbank. It's been around since the fifties. And they talk about how, uh, you know, people's whole career would be ruined or their whole family life would be ruined if they found out they were alcoholic and actually detoxing people with caro, you know, caro syrup in the bathroom shoving it down there, you know, and just holding them so they didn't shake and, and get concussions and stuff about how horrible it used to be and about how we're kind of moving into a direction now that's a lot more humane and uh, allows people the dignity to be able to get sober, uh, you know, without having to go through all of that. I agree. It And it, it, a lot of that is because of amazing humans like yourself and, and your, and your platform where we can have these conversations and, and smash all of those stereotypes and all of that stigma and folks can tune in and, and listen to two normal dudes having a conversation about alcoholism, detox, what it's like, why you don't want to do what I did. And, and they can, they'll take away whatever they take away from it. And hopefully they'll make a, a healthier choice when it comes to redefining their relationship with alcohol. Like we need to have more positive conversations around th the benefits of not drinking, as opposed to these ridiculous alcohol industry funded studies about why having a glass of wine is healthy for you. Like that, that's literally ridiculous. It's, it's poison and no one out yeah. there in, in your audience should feel ashamed for getting addicted to a substance that is 
100% addictive. Yeah. And people talk about trans fats and gluten intolerance and all this stuff. And, you know, look, if you, if you suffer from that, it's important, but you know, we just run alcohol ads 24 seven and alcohol can take you out fairly quickly as you experienced, right? Like alcohol is a hard substance. It's a hard drug. Um, even beer, you know, if you take it in excess, uh, can be incredibly damaging. What, what was what's been your recovery like? Obviously, you're here now. You survived the hospital experience. How, how has it been since you've gone through that experience? I, I I was blessed that I got through that experience because so many people don't. Even folks that withdraw from alcohol correctly with the help of medical professionals in ninety day inpatient treatment facilities and stuff like that. Some of those folks don't make it. So I, I, I'm pretty blessed. My whole recovery path has just been, you know, love, acceptance, discipline, respect, faith. I had to immediately change the, the narrative about alcohol in the story of my life. So I just decided that alcohol plays no role in my life. Alcohol is poison. And anything that is good for me shouldn't try to kill me if I take it out of my life. If I was eating boatloads of Oreo cookies and I took Oreo cookies out of my life, I would I probably shed a couple pounds? My blood sugar might go down, but they wouldn't try to kill me. So I immediately decided that alcohol doesn't play a role in my life. And I've been that way ever since. That's great. I mean, you know, it's so socially weaved into our society and who we are. You know, one of the things that I hear from people, you know, that there's a guy that, that, that I know has been sober, you know, decades. And, you know, he tells a story about how the last obstacle about him getting sober was he wanted to give a toast at his daughter's wedding. And he told the therapist this, and the therapist said, your daughter's five, right? <laughs> it just tells you the thinking. Like, and, and he, you know, he, it, it just, this is the thing. It's so ingrained into, into our, into the fabric of our society, even greetings, cheers, or, you know, it's just really ingrained. And I think the thought, especially if you're an alcoholic, that you're going to step away from that. Um, and not have any effects on that on society, I think, you know, is I, I think people are kidding themselves when they do that, right? Like it, it is, it is everywhere and it is, it is, uh, it's weaved in. But your story is great because it shows that with a good recovery, you can step past that and it does become easier, doesn't it? I mean, it's so much easier as the days go on to stay sober, be happy and not be affected by that social pressure. Definitely. It, those early months of, of my sobriety, I, I look back now and I'm like, man, I wish I was half as strong now as I was then because I, I, I worked in the hospitality industry. I, I checked myself out of the ER against medical advice because I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And you mentioned before about like, like this battle and it was, you're always losing ground. So I went on offense. 
I decided that I needed to put myself in an ambush situation and go right back to the restaurant and get through one service period around liquor, wine, and beer, the service of it, people consuming it. And if I could do that one time, I was pretty sure I could do it two times. So I, I, I just went on offense and I, and I took that battle to alcohol. I said, you don't play a role in my life. You're poison. And I can put myself in this situation and every day I'll fight it and I'll win. But the war is, is going to be going on until I die. Yeah. It, you know, I, I like when you say is that alcohol is poison because it truly is poison, right? It truly yeah. is poison. And, um, you know, your harrowing story of getting through detox, uh, you know, what to do, what not to do now, looking back, I think is a huge, it, it, it's a huge lesson and encouragement to people that they can bring the fight to alcohol and win, right? That, that you, uh, what do you feel has been the biggest thing that's changed in your life uh, now as a non-drinker uh, in your thinking? What, what, what do you think is the biggest thing that's changed? Well, that's a great question, David. The biggest thing that has changed in my thinking as, as far as my application to life are that if I keep doing the little things well and I my attention stays on on the details, it'll be inevitable that the bigger things in life work out. So through discipline and respect and faith and love, if I keep moving forward with those things, then there's really nothing that I, that I can't handle. I, I, I've listened to some of the guests on your podcast. They've gone through so much more stuff than I ever have. And I'm not even one-tenth as, as strong as they are. And I, I, I have so much respect for, for those folks. But I know that if I keep doing those things, if I keep doing the little things, then I'll be able to keep moving forward. And every day that I wake up, I do those things. I stay sober. I go to sleep, battle one next day, wake up, do it again. And I'm going to be okay. JT, this has been a really amazing episode. I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show. Where could people find out more about you, your story and your book? You can check out jtwalberg.com. The website is there. It'll let you know that Proceeds from the sale of the book go to CAMH, is the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. And social is everything's at JT Wahlberg. I'm most active on, on Instagram. So hit me up there and you know we can start a conversation. If you have any questions, I'm not shy. Guys, I have to tell you, order the book, buy the book. Uh, it benefits a great cause. It's a great story. Maybe give the book to somebody who is having some physical... Uh, you see they're having some physical problems with alcohol. You're starting to see it. It's just a, a great resource for everybody. You can also see JT. You can also connect with him at recoveredlife.us. JT, thank you so much for being on the Recovered Life Show. Thank you so much for having me, Damon. I had a blast. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.